context, and is sometimes as much of an outsider as a black American. Friendships grounded in mutual alienation and self-consciously geared to perceptions of others are seldom truly tested. They lack an organic relationship to a common landscape, a common or normal basis for the evolution of trust and mutual interest. Mutual self-interest, the need of the white Southerner to appear right in the eyes of sometimes condescending Northerners, the South being the traditional scapegoat on all matters racial, and the need of the black Southerner for access to somewhat commonly held memories of the South and of Southern culture, is the basis for political alliances rather than friendships. To achieve this true friendship, it is necessary for the two Southerners to meet on Southern soil. And if growing up in the South never presented this opportunity, and if one is still interested in understanding that part of oneself that the other possesses, it becomes necessary to return to the South. Ironically, while the candidacy of Jimmy Carter represented a political alliance between white and black Southerners, the real meaning of the alliance, in 1976 at least, resided in the quality of the personal relationships between these two separate but same peoples on their home ground, in the home place. Perhaps this is what I was looking for in the fall of 1976 at Thomas Jefferson's University of Virginia. I remember two incidents from those first days at Virginia, while I sat in David Levin's book-lined office. An over-refined and affected young man from Texas came in to inquire about my courses, and as I rose from my chair to greet him, he raised his hand in a gesture that affirmed the Old South tradition of noblesse oblige. He said, Oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to get up. The second incident was the sound of a voice, and came several days later. It was in the hall outside my office door, and it was saying, I'm Jimmy Carter, and I'm running for president. I'm Jimmy Carter, and I'm running for president. The pitch and rhythms of the voice conveyed the necessary messages. The rhythm and intonation were Southern, lower middle class or lower class Southern, the kind that instantly calls to mind the word cracker. Its loudness and the genteel buzz and hum of Wilson Hall suggested either extreme arrogance or a certain insecurity. Why the voice repeated Carter's campaign slogan was obvious to anyone. The expectations of the South, especially of the lower class and middle class South, were with Carter. He was one of them. His campaign promised to redefine the image of those people whom William Faulkner had found distasteful, those who were replacing a decadent and impotent aristocracy. These were the people whose moral code, beyond a periodically expressed contempt for black Americans, had remained largely undefined in the years since Faulkner. The bearer of this voice, when he appeared in my doorway, conformed to the herald that had preceded him. He was wiry and tall, just a little over six feet, with very direct, deep-seeing brown eyes. His straw-blonde hair lacked softness. In his face was that kind of half-smile, half-grimace that says, I've seen it all, and I still say, so what? He wore a checkered flannel shirt, faded blue jeans, and a round brass U.S. Army issue belt buckle over a slight beer belly. I think he also wore boots. He stood in the doorway looking into the handsomely appointed office and said, Buddy, I want to work with you. His name, after I had asked it again, was still Brees Pancake. There was something stiff and military in his bearing. I immediately stereotyped him as of German ancestry, 
In the South, during its many periods of intolerance, German names have been known to metamorphose into metaphorical Anglo-Saxon ones, gas pennies and perhaps pancakes included. He had read some of my work, he said, and wanted to show me some of his. His directness made me wary of him. While I sat at a desk, in academia a symbol of power, he seemed determined to know me, the person, apart from the desk. In an environment reeking with condescension, he was inviting me to abandon my very small area of protection. He asked if I drank beer, if I played pinball, if I owned a gun, if I hunted or fished. When these important cultural points had been settled, he asked, almost as an afterthought, if he could sign up to do independent study with me. When we had reached agreement, he strolled back out into the hall and resumed shouting, I'm Jimmy Carter and I'm running for president. I'm Jimmy Carter.